Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys, Working Class on DeerCast, the Turkey OG series. Mark and I are here again. Um, this is the last installment for this segment or run or year of Turkey OG series. So, hey, Mark, what's up? And then our guest, Cuz Strickland, man, thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for in- inviting me. You know, Mark Mark is my bridge between, you know, the 20-year-olds and people my age. He He's right in the middle, so he knows all about both. And he kind of he, he keeps me relevant. So God bless you, Mark Durr. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been doing this series, and uh, we've had one heck of a series thus far. Starting it off the leadoff spot with Butsky, then you know talking about tough turkeys, Rob Keck talking about conservation, Stoltz doing voice and vocabulary. Now we're coming with the hammer. <laughs> we're coming in with a with a walk off grand slam out of the cleanup spot, and. There's a reason I wanted Cuz on this series, and he, he means so much to me and my life, my family, Drury Outdoors, everything. I mean, without Cuz, I would have never, ever met Toxie and been able to take the steps that I've made through the outdoors. I remember vividly even getting back in the video business. Like, if I had a question, I'd call Cuz. Like, he probably got tired of me from about <laughs> 1988 through about 91 or 92 because he had done it all. And that leads into why I wanted him a part of this series. Not only, number one, because we love him and he's a part of our family, but number two, he was the original video guy. I mean, these giant cameras and decks out there filming turkeys. And I want to talk to him about the social aspect and the video aspect of the wild turkey then versus now, as well as some of the things he's learned in all of his travels turkey hunting. So, because that's my little intro to you. I love you, and I'm, I'm so happy you're part of this. <clears throat> Well, Mark, you're, you're too kind as always. You you make me humble, and uh, you know when 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 I met Mark, he was shortly out of college, 
but he was such a talent at that point. And Toxie's like, we need to wrap him up somehow. And Mark came out. I don't know what he took in college. Don't care. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew exactly how to get there. But the difference in him and the people didn't make, he rolled them sleeves up and he worked and he worked. And nobody saw that. Some guy at the NWTF asked me, because he knows he, he, he was a good caller and he'd never seen me in a calling contest for a good reason. He said, because I was sitting there signing hats and doing this. He said, what was your big break? And I thought about it for a minute. And I said, you know, I think it was that consecutive 70-hour work weeks I did like 800 in a row, and he was just like shaking his head. I was like, dude, I was working at a sporting goods store, and I was doing, you know, mopping the bathroom and doing this, and I said, you just got to be relentless. I love it. Well, I mean, I mean, that's what it takes, you know, to do anything. You got to be passionate about something, willing to work hard at it, but that's awesome, man. I'm glad you you mentioned that a little bit, because that goes in directly with basically the core group of who our listeners are and viewers are. And uh, it's cool. Mark mentioning that, you know, cause you were basically one of the pioneers of, I guess, filming hunts in general. Right. Is that fair to say? And then, yeah, uh, yeah it was a long time ago. So there wasn't much out there, <laughs> but now, I mean, going in, we talked a little bit before we hit the record button. It's like, you guys have an awesome podcast and you're successful in tackling. It, it's kind of like old technology, but new form. Um, you know, as far as just related to radio is concerned, but your guys' podcast is killing it too. So it's pretty cool to see the evolution. Well, first off, I've been to the Drury podcast boot camp with Mark and Taylor and all those people. So I was determined to learn it. My, when my, my young, my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, she's the oldest of the four. She's at Mississippi state now, but when she was 12, we were fishing and she had her phone out and I got, I said, Hey, you, you spend too much time on that phone. She said, pop, if you're not on Instagram, you're not relevant. <laughs> and, and I thought about that that night. She wasn't picking on me. She was just yeah. making a statement. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm going to be relevant to my grandkids. And I could see, and so could Toxie could see all this stuff changing. And uh, so I said, you know, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to figure that stuff out. Cause you know, telling back when we were first getting started, and that's a crazy story, but I will never forget. I was at a meeting at ESPN because TNN had went away and we were moving hunting the country to ESPN. And I was in the room with all these suit and tie guys, Berkeley film school graduates. Yeah. And we were, we were having this meeting. They were looking at me thinking he knows nothing about TV. And I was looking at, at them going, they don't know anything about hunting. And we were both 100% correct on both things. But toward the end of the meeting, the guy that was running, he kind of slammed his fist on the table and he said, he said, cuz give me a reason to root for him. Tell me a story. He said, great characters and stories will never go out of style. And you know what? He was 100% right. Now I've always loved, you know, sharing that. Uh, I could never call like Mark Drury or Paul Butsky and I can't shoot a bow like Tim Wells and all that, but I love sharing that stuff. Cause it was just, you know, it's just my life. How I grew up. So, yeah. Talk about like starting, uh, filming and filming hunts and doing all that back in the day. I imagine everybody thought you were kind of crazy at first, right? Or wondering why you were doing it. Yeah. The, the, uh, the first camcorder way back, way back that came into our town, came into Sears and Roebuck and one <laughs> of my best buddies bought it, Gary Porter. And, uh, he brought it up there and it, he and I turkey hunted together with Bub and he, he was like, you think we could film a hunt with that? And for some that flew all over me. That was from now on. That's what I'm going to do. And we, you know, we kind of 
tape some camo material to it and all that. And at the time I was buying, um, I was working at the sporting goods store buying true doubles from Will Primos mm-hmm. and he was making them in the back of his house. And anytime I'd get a, uh, a good Turkey hunt, I would take the VHS tape out and send it to him. Didn't know how to make a copy of it and say, yeah. man, we're using your true double. And he literally showed up at that sporting goods store one day with this giant camera. It was so big and it, it, it had a cable that was like almost three quarters of an inch around. And it <laughs> plugged into a recording deck that shot a three quarter inch tape that was 14 inches long and had tubes and stuff in it. And, He's like, you think you could film a turkey hunt with that? I'm like, I mean, I don't know, you know. So yeah. I kept, I kept fooling with it, did it, and when I was practicing with it, and he was kind of, I guess he was trying me out. He was paying me. It was, I think it was ten dollars for the day and six cents a mile. But I finally <laughs> figured, I finally figured out how to turn it on and do that because there was <laughs> nothing out there. The Wenzels had were just fixing to come out with. Their first VH, VH. What what year thing. roughly was this? This would have been uh, probably eighty. No, no, it was way before that. It was way before Taxi. This would have been back in eighty three, somewhere in there. Then the Wenzels came out with Bow Hunting October Whitetails, and I was renting the VHS from our local video store. You had to go rent them. <laughs> I remember my number. My number was three eighty three, and I would rent that tape, and rent that tape, and rent that tape. And I couldn't believe they were actually doing that. Yeah. Like, I'm going to figure that stuff out. I, I We actually bought a VHS player <clears throat> on a 12-month installment plan because back then they were real expensive. But it just flew all over me. It, it was crazy how infected I got with like, trying to film a turkey stuff. So yeah. That's kind of how it started with me anyway. That's that's so crazy. There's think about this. There's a lot of people that are going to watch and listen to this that have never even seen a VHS player. Uh, I, hey, I, I understand. I get it. I <laughs> promise you. But it's uh, and to me, <clears throat> and Mark gets this. Mark was uh, he won't. You know, he stays up with the times, and I, you know, I get it. Some people get stuck back in the good old days. Of yeah, OG, and that's cool. I'm telling you, I embrace that technology. Every time a new camera came out, it was lighter because. When I had that rig that I shot the truth with and all that stuff, the camera on a wooden had the, the tripod had wooden legs. It had a lead head with real fluid in it. That's why they called them fluid heads. Yeah. It had a shotgun sling around that. And I would put that over my neck and I mounted the recorder back there on a back on an army frame where I could carry that on my back. And if you laid that stuff down on a scale, it was 88 pounds. <laughs> And you follow, you know, you follow Will Primos around or whoever it was. Yeah. Buddy, that, that was a lot of work. Then when you sat down, you had, you had to turn the tape recording deck on toggle switch, boom, punch, play and record, turn the camera on and punch, play and record on. That was like five steps to get it warmed up and ready to go. <laughs> it was a miracle. We ever filmed anything. Yeah. How'd you ever get in and like set up and you know, you got a bird coming in, he's 10, 15 yards. I mean, you got to really be ahead of the game and ready and prepared for that a little more than nowadays. Yeah. Well, Mossy Oak helped a lot. I had everything covered Mossy Oak. That's when they first came out with the bow tape and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I could literally, as I was sitting down, I would sling that backpack off and set it down by my right leg and then put the camera in front. I'm, I'm hitting buttons like that. So I can get still fairly quick but it just takes a minute for the camera to warm missed a lot you know from hmm. from that 
And I'll tell you something. I don't know if I ever told anybody this. The first hunt I ever got really paid for, I'm full-time now, I took Will over to Glasscock Island, which is down by Natchez, Mississippi. That's where I'm from. And it was an afternoon. And uh, our, our, the guy that ended up on the first hunt, Murray Warren, was with us. Anyway, we struck a turkey that afternoon, sat down, and this turkey came from a long way. And it, there wasn't a lot of turkey hunters, as many as there is now. And there was a giant redwood tree. The turkey came to the right. When I turned, there was a big old red oak that had fallen down, still had the root mass up on it. And the turkey was behind it. And I'm like, great. I, I'm, you know, it was just high enough for it. That turkey jumped up on the tree and strutted down about 10 feet on top of the red oak. Boom, Will shot him. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm looking through the viewfinder, coolest thing ever. And we went back and I could record, I could rewind the tape and we could look at it through the viewfinder. Yeah. I didn't have all this other thing. It's nothing but snow and ant races. I hadn't hit the last record button on the camera. Oh. Did, <laughs> did not get it. And Will reminds me of that every time. The best hunt we would have ever got, and I missed it because I didn't have the the record button on the camera. Nothing but ant races. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How frustrating. Yep. It was was he was he really mad at you, or did he just give you shit about it? He was a little bit, yeah. He was like shook his head and took his hat and hit his leg. Oh, Will's. Back then, everybody was a little more uptight than they are now. There was, you know, no money. Mark said, shaking his head, there was no money, no budget. Fly by the seat of your pants kind of stuff. So that that was a big deal, you know. But anyway, I, I tell everybody that if you do that, you'll never do it again. So I'm glad it happened right out of the gate. I, that never happened to me again. <laughs> that's that's the truth. And, you know, if you think back to the enormity of that moment, missing it, like if that happened these days, let's say he mistakenly double punched or something, wouldn't be a big deal. We'll go get on another one. Back back then, get it right and everybody set up and this conglomerate and tripod and all this stuff, you know, that you know the percentage of how many turkeys had been filmed then – that was a huge percent. Now it's just another turkey nap, you know, but that was a big deal. And I suspect Wilbur was, was frustrated in the moment as well. He was, he was pretty frustrated. And it, it, yeah. And maybe God did that to me, you know, to teach me a lesson. So it was, you know, no training. Nobody knew about that stuff. There was nowhere. You, you couldn't read a manual. There wasn't anything <laughs> out there. And uh, I'll never forget it. And we'll tell you the story. We got, I think I got 15 or 16 hunts on tape had all these giant three quarter inch tapes. The first thing I was, I remember we took them to a place in Jackson to edit this thing. It was called image works and they were still doing film roll. But anyway, and we put the first tape in and I had it written on it, you know, glass cock day two that. And I say, yeah. so I gave him that tape first and he puts it in. The engineer looks at it a minute and he said, uh, did you get a white balance? Cause it was a little blue. And I'm like, uh, what's a white balance. And he physically had to show me how to do that on the camera. I shot all spring with not setting the white balance, which all that stuff's automatic now. But back then, yeah. I ended up with two cards. One was white, one was pale blue, depending on the sun. Uh-huh. And you set it down in front of the camera, zoom out there and get it right, and then hit that bottom button. And, it, and then it I, I did it all spring, didn't know where the white balance button was. <laughs> now I'm filming with my phone. It can go on TV. It's crazy how far it's going. So to his point, if you go back and watch the truth about spring turkey hunting, which was the video he was working on for Primos, some of those hunts are a little blue, but there was there was no comparison. Nobody knew it was <laughs> Nobody cared because it was he's right, nothing to compare it to. All they talk about is you can see the wide hit the turkey's neck. And I'm like, yeah, that's cause it was blue. It wasn't blue. <laughs> 
That's that's crazy to think about. For me, that's really cool to like think about the the I'm calling it old school equipment yeah. and and watching them. And I have a pretty big VHS and DVD hunting collection, and I just found a VHS player so we can watch them here at the studio. But I like you know some of them old videos like that and seeing like I don't want it to be high def. I want it to to be to the time that it was produced and filmed and all that. And there's just something about the nostalgia of watching those older hunting videos in camp with your buddies. Like it's more fun now to watch them. Cause you'd be like, man, look at that bow or look at that. Look what, and even at the time it was the best there was, but even 10 years ago, you still look at some of that stuff. And I have a, uh, dream season pros versus amateurs DVD that we pop in. And that's not yeah. that long ago, really. But when you watch it compared to now, it's just kind of funny. Like, man, look at that. You can tell just the difference in the camo and the bow, the, the limbs aren't parallel like they are nowadays and all that. So for me, it's fun to watch the evolution and just how quick things change. I can't even imagine if I would have started filming and doing all this in 83, it would be even <laughs> crazier to see it. You know, I have a, a VHS tape from the year, two years before that, the one my buddy brought it from Sears and Robo. And I had the VHS tape from that year. I, I filmed eight or ten turkeys getting shot, and it, it's the—I mean, it's just like like an old silent movie with popcorn, and you hear the. It, it is that bad, <laughs> but it's, to me, it's priceless. Yeah, because uh, it was all it, all about the turkeys. You know, we didn't have sponsors. We weren't you know having to deal with all that. It was just like, and and Will was a good teacher, and who knew. At the time when we did the truth, the first truth, the original one, it's a cult movie. I, I got kids coming up to me at the NWTS show, and my grandpa gave me that tape, or my dad gave me that tape, and that's what I learned with and all that. Mm -hmm. And it gets to be a little overwhelming. It's like, man, if I'd only known, I'd have dressed better and set up straight and tried <laughs> to do a little bit better job on the camera. But right. who knew? It was just, it's all about timing. You can ask Mark. Martin's timing was real good. And Mark was so involved in that Turkey stuff at the time. Now he's a deer guy. Cause there's way more numbers than that, but Mark, it, it was unbelievable. First off, how good he was, you know, I, I, I put on the world champion natural voice Turkey calling contest. Me and my group did for years. Mark won that by so many points, three years in a row. The fourth year, the guy said, they were all like, if Mark Drury's coming, we're out. <laughs> And I had to call. I said, Mark, you can't come back. I, 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 like, there wasn't that many people doing it anyway, but they literally told me. That's how that's how talented Mark was and how infected it was with Turkey. He, he, he was the Turkey guy. He was just right in there with Butchke and all those guys, and he's humble about it. And they're the deer guys. They've set that bar so high, nobody. But I bet you if Mark's sitting there at the, golden, at the, at the pearly gates and he's got to fill out a questionnaire, what did you love? out there more than anything i bet you my farm to a donut he would say turkey hunt <laughs> exactly right i'd like to deer hunt but i love the turkey hunt. it's my my true love and it's like i said cuss changed my life because i met him at <laughs> world voice calling championships yep you know and, and we met at some other calling contests cuz was a judge often back then and i think I think we actually called against each other a time or two in some of those competitions, cuz, but you also yeah. judged a great deal as well back then. And that's, uh, we've been friends for a long time through, through yeah. the wild turkey, Let much me. like Buttsky and Keck and, and Stoltz. Like it's amazing what the wild turkey, how many people it has brought together and how it formed 
not only the turkey industry, but the, the entire outdoor industry. If yeah. you look at some of those humble beginnings, you know, there's a lot of roots that spread back to those turkey calling contest days that are still alive today in the outdoor world. Look at Michael. I mean, same, same exact, yeah. uh, you know, his, his was turkey calling as well. That's how he met all those guys at Realtree. So uh, it's amazing how many, how many foundations were built on those contests. Every weekend we'd go somewhere. We'd all somewhere. Kurt, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, yeah. Mark, Mark probably knows this story. I'm going to tell Kurt real quick. Mm-hmm. My first calling contest, I was just, you know, a redneck down there working at a warehouse, driving a forklift. Yeah. And me and my good friend, Bubba Bruce, ended up being one of the turkey thugs he i finally got to where i could yep on a mouth call because i it was a big gag reflex deal when i first started i had to tie a piece of dental floss on the mouth call and if i get ready to gag i would just jerk it that's how (laughs) bad i wanted to learn anyway i got really good i could yell and they were having that first big contest down there the gulf states classic bubba said we need to get in that and i said you're right they've given away twenty five hundred dollars which was a million bucks yeah back then so we go to the contest and I paid my entry fee. I remember this, it was $25 and I'm like, and I didn't have $25. <laughs> Bubba's standing right by me. I give him my money and walk down and here's a list of the calls and yelping wasn't on there. It was like a tree call and something else. And I, yeah. And I turned around to ask Bubba something. He was gone. And there, you know, I was the last game. So anyway, I go to this, you need to go to the calls room and I open the door and here's, this is the people I saw. Dick Kirby, Harold Knight, Denny Govis, Terry Rome, Preston Pittman. And I'm like, you know, what? I, my thoughts went from winning the contest to please, Lord, don't let me finish last. <laughs> right. I, and I, I, I knew Harold Knight. I kind of introduced myself to him and I walked up and I said, Harold, what is a Kiki run? I, I, I had never seen or heard that. And he spent 20 minutes showing, trying to get me how to do that. Anyway, I didn't finish last. I finished next to last. I beat a 70-year-old guy with a box call who also didn't know what a Kiki run was. <laughs> and I learned really quick listening to Mark and Butsky and those guys that that ain't what I need to do, but I loved it. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was emceeing, and I can't tell you how many contests I've judged in. Worlds, NWTF, I knew a lot about it, knew all the guys could judge good, but I knew really quick that ain't my forte. <laughs> guys yeah. are what better. That's cool, man, to hear – like how, how you said that everything like gets started from the turkey con, or I mean a lot in your yep. guys's like era is like everyone started from turkeys. Like the wild turkey is responsible yep. for what the industry is, for what I guess the modern outdoor film is, um, all because of you guys, the pioneer pioneers of this outdoor space. Which is it's an honor to have you guys both on the same episode with me, just trying to pioneer my own way in this outdoor space. But what has changed? From because from when you started to now, I know equipment has changed, but what mm-hmm. about like with the wild turkey specifically and trying to produce outdoor content around the wild turkey? Like, is there anything in like turkey behavior to how you approach things? Um, really anything that you, you feel is like the big change in the evolution of everything, you know? And I've been blessed to see everything from way back then. Back then, it was turkey hunt was so entwined in what i wanted to learn how to do it was Mm -hmm. like that was my main focus uh there for a long time you know when the cameras started getting a little uh and there was a lot of vh there was people like mark there were some out there that would teach will and toxie mark they're all big teachers and that's good because 
turkey hunting back then was like relatively new to most people. So the focus was on teaching. You know, we did turkey school. We did all kinds of stuff that was broke down by this and that. Mark would come on there and he would do tips on this and that. Just general turkey hunting type general stuff. turkey hunting because nobody – look, when I, when I started, there were two people in my whole town that I knew did it. Uh, one of them was a football coach, the high, our high school football coach, Ed Reed, and the other one was a barber at the Rebel Barbershop, and neither one of them would tell you anything, and that's just how it was. I can remember I've seen Ed Reed, like Toxie's dad did, beating down lead washers, getting them thin and bending them and putting propylactics and all that stuff, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell you anything. The guy from the Rebel Barbershop, he finally took me one time, and then back then this was serious business, and they this is how they did it. If a turkey answered you, you yelled two or three times. If he answered, you shut up. And that's just how they rolled. Mm. I took, I took, I went turkey hunting with Tom Kelly. The reason I got into turkey hunting is I read a passage out of his book, went and bought the book, The Tenth Legion. And I was like, I got to reading that book. And I, I was like, now you know the rules and all that. He, he, to me, he was like Mickey Mantle. That was like me getting to play catch with Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. I went turkey hunting with Tom Kelly. And I was like, oh, my, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> Had all the camera gear and everything. We went down to Spanish Fort, Alabama, his hunting ground. And I was telling Mr. Kelly I wanted to share him, you know, with a TV and all this kind of stuff. Okay. He's pretty grump, a little grump back there. But yeah. anyway, we went to this quick story. First morning we went, two turkeys gobble way off. He never called, never said a word. We sat there. Finally pulled a box out. Yep, yep, yep. No answer. That was all he called. And we would walk around. He had a crow call that was about the size of a half a cigar, littlest crow call I ever saw. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And we'd hunt till 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Same, same thing the next day. Went to the same place, same two turkeys. You know, you call a little bit. Yeah. Flew down. We got down. We was walking about 10 o'clock. We get down, and, and I don't have any calls on me except my tube call. That's under my T-shirt. I didn't take nothing. Mm-hmm. We get to this beautiful creek bottom, no wind blowing, it's shady. And I said, Mr. Kelly, would you mind? He had done blown his crow call. I said, would you mind if I call? And uh, he said, no, I can't tell you what he said. Anyway, I hit that tube call. Bam, bam, bam. He turned around and grabbed that tube call and pulled it like that to him. He said, why ain't you been tooting on that thing the whole time? <laughs> he He had never hunted like that. He, you know, that uh, cut and run, being aggressive. Yeah. It, he just didn't do it. Didn't think about it. Didn't know about it. I'm telling you, I witnessed that. Uh-huh. I ended up, t- we ended up taking Tom Kelly to get his first Rio. And I took him out West to get his first Miriam. And he was like, I can't believe this. He got his first Miriam. This was 20, 30 years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we were on the Akalala Sioux Indian Reservation. And this guy, this was way back then, the guide with us had a fan. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's all visual out there. And he was like, he, he was enjoying learning because he just hadn't done the way most people hunt nowadays. That was more fun for me than anything. It's like the reason I got into the aggressive stuff, because when I was filming for Wilbur, I couldn't sit by the clover field for three hours. Mm-hmm. I was getting paid to film turkeys. And I learned really quick, the more aggressive I was, at least I could make one gobble, you know, and. And get set down. And I'm looking back, I can tell you if there's 15 hunts on that first tape, all but one or two of them were between 10 and 2 o'clock. Nothing off the roost. It varies, maybe one or two. 
it just doesn't happen like that that often. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, that, that was, that I've seen that change a lot. People are so good now turkey hunting and they manicured their places. It's, it's so easy to get the video that it's almost not popular. I get, you know, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, it ain't, it ain't like, I don't know how Martin can do it with them giant deer, but I don't <laughs> care if you like scoring or whatever, but you see a giant deer, you stop and, we're going to watch that. Mm-hmm. And it's like turkeys got to be so easy during that heyday when there were so many of them, it, it almost got to be uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's kind of getting to, it's getting to me, it's kind of getting back the other way now. It, yeah. It's like, you know, the populations are down a little bit. It's a little harder to get. Yeah. You know, back when I started, it's like, if you got a turkey's head at 40 yards going behind a bush, I'm calling Bubba, come here and look at this footage. You ain't going to believe it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now, if it's not full strut with the sun behind you, you know, it's like nobody even pays any attention to it. But it was, uh, it was people like, you know, like Mark and them. They came through. Mark, Mark's bringing the OGs on. Mark is an OG. Mm-hmm. And they were there during that heyday. And maybe we'll get back to that population-wise. But it, yeah. it was uh, when all the people and the cameras got littler and there was so much stuff, uh, it wasn't that big a deal. Everybody moved kind of toward the deer. So that, that's the yeah. biggest change I've seen. I get what you're saying with that. And then, Mark, I don't know, but him, Cuz brings that up. When we talked to uh, Rob about um, declining turkey population, do you think that with turkey outdoor film production, do you think it'll go on a cycle? You know, when hopefully things come back on the up and up. Do you think it'll kind of come full circle? I think it will. And I think um, – I credit a lot of this to video and social media. Like it's, it's suddenly brought turkeys back into a lot of people's lives that otherwise probably wouldn't have watched it if it was on a TV show. Right. Because mm-hmm. it was too long form. They're not going to sit down and watch a video. Like back when I was renting Denny Goldis's tape or the, you know, the truth about spring turkey hunting, we would watch it from start to finish and then rewind it and watch the whole thing again. Now anymore, you get people's attention in short spurts, and turkeys are great for short spurt attention. And I think that you're starting to see more and more people uh, enthused about it again because social media over the last four or five years has introduced a lot of people to it that otherwise would would have had no introduction. You, You couple that with it is getting a little bit tougher, and it's not quite as easy to go out there and, and uh, succeed at it. And you have people's interest level back up in it. And, you know, if you look at the equipment changes we've gone through from back in the day when Cuz was talking about getting started versus now, man, and, and uh, Butsky talked about that, as did as did Rob. Man, it, it uh, people can go out and succeed, and they don't have to be a championship caller. Mm-hmm. You know, before we were hunting them in ground blinds and before we had decoys, but you had to yelp that turkey within range, and that is a different story than just sitting in a blind in a food plot with a decoy. I mean, that's two different styles of hunts. Yeah, I prefer the yelp them up into your face, and I'm sure Cuz is the same way. But a lot of people can be successful now because of the different techniques. Yeah, and GoPros, smaller cameras and stuff. You can basically get up behind a fan. and Yeah, you get it with your cell phone. Our right. biggest views come off of our Facebook Lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where we get most of our spring turkey views. And to do that, we try to call them in close. We go live on Facebook and you know, I mean, imagine that because you wouldn't even conceive that thought back <laughs> no. in the day. Like, we're going to kill one live with, we'll have 15, 20,000 people viewing it live when we kill them. You know, that's that's just, 
that thought is unheard of uh, until the last few years. Imagine going back to Cuz in like '85 with an iPhone 10 or 13 or whatever, and being like, "Hey, man, try this." Hey, Mark. Mark, I, the I, I tell him it's the coolest thing maybe that's ever happened to me in the woods. I got to spend a few days with Mark and Paul Butsky, and we were hunting turkeys, and I was trying to do this and that, and of course, Mark's. I mean, he's doing this, talking to the satellites, and finally it's my turn, and we get down, and there's these turkeys down in the bottom of a hill, and Mark goes over there, and then Paul, and they call and get him gobbling. Well, I had kind of glass, so I knew there was a Jake or two in this mix, and they're coming up the hill, and we have to lay down in grass. There ain't no cover, mm-hmm. and Mark's got that iPad, and he said, because we're going live. So <laughs> I'm, think- I'm thinking now I can't see anything but heads. And I said, I wonder what the reaction is going to be if I accidentally kill a Jake because all them turkeys are coming. <laughs> I've never been so nervous in my life. I finally, I, at the last minute, I just I just raised up where I could see that beard and shot him. Thank you, Lord. But I was like, <laughs> he, he just threw me right in the fire because I knew there was two Jakes around there somewhere. But the fact, and then he showed me how people, how many people viewed it. It's unbelievable. Let me tell you what else I think is going on is uh, – it, 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 you know, the hunters go in age groups and all that kind of stuff. And Lauren told me one time, I was telling her, nobody wants to hear this story and all that. She, she, she said, Dad, you're wrong. So we did a post. My my social media is not big like the Drury's, but it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who, who would you like to hear on the podcast? What do you want to hear? And we got like 600 comments in 30 minutes. 80% of them were more hunting stories. And these are young people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, turkey hunting's got a lot of characters. When you start, there, there's deer hunting characters too, but there's a, there is a lineup of characters that turkey hunt. And I think they're interested in that old stuff and back in the day and all that. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of hesitant to talk about it because I don't want to get stuck in the past, but she's like, that's what they want to hear. You know, they want to hear about characters and stories yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I agree. I think I enjoy, you know, hearing these older stories like kind of like pioneer of the outdoor industry and like what made current video production in the outdoor world i think that's cool i almost think it's cooler hearing these stories because it's before my time and i think a lot of guys that care about hunting and care about the industry and you know if i'm engulfed in this outdoor media world now i have to be and i love it so i think it's great to hear a lot of this early stuff and hear about these like legendary type stories because and, and and think of it this way even though it kind of sucks to think about it you guys are telling these stories in long form on a podcast and it's pretty much around forever then you yeah. know when everybody all the pioneers are gone and we're 30 40 50 years from now hopefully these podcasts are still around and it's kind of like oh man you got to go back and listen to this episode where Mark or Cuz or whoever tells these stories because it's like the the pioneer, the good old days when things got started. That stuff's important, you know. Yeah, Mark was one of the first guys I called when I was getting the podcast going because he's he's such a gentleman. He's he's just precious to all of us at Mossy Oak. And has it got more popular? And I had that thought, you know, it's kind of a living record. Yeah. I just uh, I just did one with Harold Knight, hadn't even aired yet, and. Uh, you know, to me, Harold Knight is like back in the day and still is really good. He's like, he's like Dave Owens is right now. Everybody thinks Dave Owens is Elvis and he's a turkey killing machine. Don't get me wrong. But back in the day, I used to tell people, if you got a turkey you need to kill for a million dollars, let's go get Harold Knight. That's just the way I felt about it. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, I sent him these questions and we're doing them before I, Lauren punched the record button. I, and I asked him, I said, Harold, I want to ask you about David Hale, his partner who's having health issues right now. But I said, I didn't want to do that while we were recording. He said, no, you can record it. Mm -hmm. So we went through the whole podcast and the last question I asked him, last question I asked him, I said, tell me about David, big, long pause. You could tell he got, you know, shook up a little bit and he started telling me, he said, you know, he said, I go pick David up every day. And we come back here, picked up the hunting lodge. I'm fixing it choked up. And he said, I cook him breakfast. And he's, and that's five days a week. And then we'll ride around, look at the deer stands, do whatever they're doing in the woods. And I remember this thought coming on me. He said, God, please let me have a friend that good mm-hmm. when I'm in that thing. But it's like, you know, character you can't teach, you know, humility you can't teach. But I was like, I'm so glad he talked about that yeah. on the podcast because it's like, and he, he just went on and on about David. It's the coolest thing ever, you know. So you're right. It's kind of a record. <clears throat> now I'm wanting to do more old guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's important, you know. I mean, imagine if uh, Fred Bear had, like, all his hunting stories and podcast interviews and stuff out, like how legendary now that stuff would be. Or just yeah. even outside of our industry. Think if, like, Hank Williams had – a hundred podcast episodes out and people could listen to stories that he did on the road playing shows. Like people would tear that up now more than they would have then. And maybe there's something to that with podcasting now, maybe in 10 years or down the road, they will be even like, I don't know. I, I don't really know the term because there probably isn't one for it yet, but kind yeah. of like historic or like legendary stories from whatever podcast. And I don't know. Maybe there'll be those one episodes that stand out to the next generation or my generation or your guys' generation as it goes on and on. I don't know. You know, the <clears throat> what fires me up is people Taylor's age and even a little younger. They seem to me, they just seem to be more excited, more focused on it than that middle age group. You know, and I'm not picking on 40 year olds or 45 or 50 year olds, but that group that Taylor's in and Lauren who produces my podcast and all in and even their, their kids and I was like, Man, I, my my gut reaction is I think we're I think we're leaving it in good hands. They're getting so excited about it and they want to be involved and learn how to do this and learn that. And it's like, <clears throat> you know, if the government doesn't just mess us up so bad where can't nobody do anything, I feel pretty good about, you know, like Kurt's working glass bow hunter podcast <laughs> and what Taylor all them young people that I was like, I embrace that young generation and that technology and it's like I, I, man if i'd have had it when i was back then i would have been a better teacher but now let's take advantage of it because it's like mark said <clears throat> if you ain't getting into that phone they're not seeing it you know mm-hmm. and i was i was cool with that so i put stuff on my phone and all that kind of stuff but the easier it gets the more we should do it that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying and you know what cuz in in some ways excuse me the wild turkey for us we saw that in and Rob did such a great job of articulating the history of the conservation and, and the rebound of the wild turkey on the podcast the other day. Nobody tells that story better yep. than you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, numbers are dipping again, and now this younger generation is going, wait a minute, there's not as many turkeys as I had a few years ago. We've got to be conservation-minded, and we grew up that way with that conservation message. And I think because of that, it, it makes us better hunters and hunters and stewards of the land. And there was almost a, an entitlement to some of, of the people that were out there hunting. 
because they didn't see it when it was tough and they didn't yeah. take the steps to help the wild turkey rebound. Now, suddenly, this younger group, I see them posting about taking out the nest predators and learning how to trap and going to Turkey Federation banquets and supporting Turkeys for Tomorrow, a new organization that has, has fallen because of the number of turkeys are down a little bit. So all of a sudden, turkeys are once again going to lead us through the next conservation uh, effort, and but it's going to be a younger generation doing it for us. So yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. You know, I saw the the first turkeys that were trapped and relocated in the state of Mississippi. My dad was the sports editor at the Natchez Democrat. His camera looked like it had an accordion front on it and the big bulbs <laughs> when you popped it. Yeah. It hurts laughing. But he, <laughs> he took pictures of that when they shot the net over those turkeys out in the home of Chita National Forest. I was there with him. Wow. I think I was like seven or eight years old. Different cannon nets back then. They only caught like 10 or 12, but it's like, and yeah, the NWTF was so good, they accomplished their mission ahead of time. But there weren't turkeys. There was a few down there around Mobile, and there were some kind of where I live. But there just weren't turkeys all over the place. And, yeah, that that the NWTF, I tell people all the time, you, you should tip your hat because if, if, if not for them, none of us would have made a living doing no, any no. of this stuff, calling or anything else. None Pretty powerful. Us. Yeah, that's true. Well, Big time. if if someone's watching or listening to this episode and they somehow skipped some of the previous uh, Turkey OG series podcasts we did on this, um, the one with Rob, definitely listen to that one because that that's what that whole episode's about. Basically, is you know they single handedly made the turkey population what it is. I mean, I mean yep. that's exactly what they did. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, they, had, they invented the boxes. They invented the cannon net that shoots. So they did all that. They there again, it was like film and turkey. There wasn't any directions. They did all that on their own. And if you look back the history of that, it's like, yeah, at some point they, they, they were young and, you know, interested in that and, and headstrong. And that's kind of what I see with these young people. I, I'm telling you, I'm pretty fired up about the young people that are around me all the time. Cause you know, sometimes I'd get upset with them certain middle-aged group and about like, I was watching one text the person in the next office and i was like why didn't you just get up and stick your head around but anyway i was i was kind of venting a little bit to pam my wife and she's looking at me going you think your 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 dad ever looked at you rolling his eyes going we're doomed and i was like probably so but this next generation this these young kids right now golly i, I think they're pretty awesome that's great to hear right damn right <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, Kurt, hadn't this been fun? I've had so much fun. I mean, I have fun on all podcasts. I do my best to have a good time. Sometimes it's easier than others. These four episodes in the Turkey OG series has been, um, it's been very educational for me. Um, and I kind of like it where it's like, I don't have to talk that much. I just kind of sit back and absorb <laughs> some of these yeah, cool but- stories and information, you know? There's a novel idea for a podcast. Get get a guest on there and ask them questions, let them answer and it works pretty good, but it, you know, he, I had so many, and Mark's the same way. You can go to the NWTF with him. If he'll stand in one place very long, which ain't likely right now, it's just kid after kid after young person. And, and I get it all the time. Like, man, how'd you get started? What'd you do? How do you know? Give me some advice. And I'll tell him, look, just you got a sense of humor and an unbelievable work ethic and you're passionate about it. It's that work part that, that kind of gets in the way sometimes, but uh, if you're, I always say, I don't bring that up because if people are really passionate about 
getting in the industry and doing this and that, they'll figure out a way, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something you can learn in college. And it's, uh, it's all about work. It's hard work. I had a guy ask me, he was looking at me. He's like, what was your big break? Cause he knew I've never won a calling contest in my life, but you're all known and all this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, I think it was that consecutive string of 70 hour work weeks. Yeah. Back, <laughs> back in the day when I was doing this and cleaning the bathroom and doing that and wearing all those hats and, stick around you got to have that stick to itness yeah it's funny you say like what was your big break and i think about that like not that i've had a big break but you know i think about it i have and it's mark jury like honestly mark like you it's true that's what it is there's no no fluff in it that's just straight up yeah (laughs) I, i knew mark was special i hunted with him a lot back in the day and i was like i would look at bark and listen to him i'd say you know what if i could call like him I'd really be famous, <laughs> but I couldn't. <laughs> well, Kurt, if you really feel like that, it's a full circle here because cuz is that guy for me. That's why I had him in the cleanup spot, you know, because oh. with, without cuz there's no jury outdoors. There's, there's no, it just would not have occurred. I mean, cuz was that guy for me. I mean, every question I had, he's who I called cause he, he led and I needed information about what camera, where do I get? I went to the same place to edit our video. We drove from St. Louis to ImageWorks. Is it ImageWorks? Yeah, that's right. Steve Gidry, because I go, cuz, we got all this footage. Now what do I do? He goes, here's what you do. You make an appointment with Steve Gidry at ImageWorks in Jackson, Mississippi, and and you'll edit that, that video because he does all of ours. I was like, oh, God said, okay, I called Steve Gidry. And we drove from St. Louis where there's – probably 15 studios that could have done what we wanted to do. We drove where cuz got his done. So it was, uh, it, yeah, like I said, without cuz we we're not in business. Well, Mark, Mark is OG. I'll tell you this, Kurt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like you can watch Taylor, his daughter on a phone or an iPad and just mm-hmm. go, Holy cow. The first, the first graphic we ever had was the mossy Oak tree. Mm-hmm. And this is what it did. It turned, it turned one time. And had a little sparkle. I went to Memphis to have that that graphic built, and I was there thirty six hours while it went. <laughs> One graphic that just turned and had a little sparkle took thirty six hours to render. That's what we dealt with back then. But it's and amazing. you look at the videos and you kind of laugh, but it's you know that's at the time, yeah. Like you said, state of the art, buddy. Hey, you can it's only right. do what you can do. You know that's what I mean? Right. So I mean, that was the best there was. So. But yeah, it's pretty incredible. And Mark, I do mean that, man. And if you break it down, that's that's what it is. So it is kind of neat. Then if you put it that way, this is kind of like a full circle podcast. And I'm the young gun for now, I guess. But it won't be that way for long. So, well, I guess what I would say is, don't forget it. You're going to be that guy for somebody. That's at it. At some point, I hope so. I hope and so. You may don't have already. Where you, don't forget where you came from. I posted a thing the other day. <clears throat> I, I try to post pictures. I, I stay pretty positive. Don't get political and all that. But I had a picture of me and my wife standing there and Tom Kelly. And I, I, this is how I do graphics. I, I'll go put it in a story so I can draw errors and stuff. And I drew an error to Tom Kelly and said, inspiration. And I drew an error for my wife and put support. And it's like, man, if there's one, if there's two people that are responsible for me staying in this world, what I'm doing right now, that's them. Mm-hmm. Tom Kelly was the inspiration. My wife was a support. You got to have a support team preaching to the choir with Mark. His family's unbelievable, but you know, everybody's got to be on board. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause certainly didn't do it for the money back in the day. 
10 bucks a day since six, six, six mile and mark <laughs> back when mark was uh mark went with us on the road too sometimes selling whatever it was he was just learning 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 but back then bob dixon and bill sugg and me would have contests to stay who would stay in the cheapest motel i never lost that contest and the cheapest one ever i was in yeehaw junction you've driven by it going to hunt turkeys in south florida if you it's where the the toll road ends Yeehaw Junction, there was a sign outside the motel that said $10. So I turned and went back, and the guy was in there watching his little black and white TV, and I just walked in. I said, $10? He said, okay, nine. <laughs> $9 to stay in the motel. I still have I still have the receipt. No in, way. Yes, sir, nine bucks. But, you know, road stories are just, like you say, back then, it was just like, let's get it done. Yeah. You know, everybody wore 15 different hats, but – it's uh, it's all about passion, and uh, thank God you had Mark, and because uh, he man, he's a great teacher. But hey, if somebody wants it bad enough, they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. They will. You yep. can see the workers too now. You can see the new ones coming up, the ones that are working, yeah, yep. and working hard. Dave's one of those guys. Dave works his tail off over at Penhody. Yeah, super good guy, incredibly talented, and he's working his ever living tail off. You can just see it, and it, it's, yep. it's paying off for him. Yeah, he uh, he's a turkey killer, but he's a good storyteller. And I, you know, I I called him, just cold called him, told him what a fan I was. And I said, "Here's the deal." And people say, "Well, his video's not that great," you know. And I, you watch his video to the end. I don't care if he films a kill or not. He's so good at telling you what's on his mind, and that's what I'm interested in. He'll he'll say why I'm doing this, why I'm doing that. I'm I'm a big fan. And yeah, he he he's he's one of those young people that I'm excited about, just like Mark is. Yep, and he cool. and he's one heck of a caller. He came in second in the. He won the. He and his partner won the two man team, and yep. he came in second in the overall. Of course, to Matt Ben Size. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> Look, I I MC'd all the kids. They they want to know, would you MC the polls, which is ten and under? I said sure. And when I got there, I got them all, juniors and intermediates. I was there for like three hours. And the first, the first ones that came out ten and under, there was twelve of them, and I had my phone right there, and Pam was sitting out there just killing time. And the first ten year old came out, and I went, "Wow!" And then the second and third one, I sent her a text that I would not enter this contest. <laughs> they were so good; they were kicking on paddle boxes and stuff. I was like, "Man, that's come a long way." They were all so good; it was humbling. Yeah, that's awesome. Guy. Yeah, that's good awesome. Stuff. Well, this podcast has been a blast. I'm glad that we we kind of kept off the angle. Like, I like the the film production side of things. I think that's an important cap to this series that we're doing, Mark. And I, I appreciate you lining this up with these guests. And it's been amazing for me. Um, it's been great getting to know these guys. Now I'm looking forward to meeting them in person and actually hanging out and, and having some, some good times, you know. But, uh, Cuz, thank you so much for sharing stories, man, and telling us about the uh, – the pioneer days, I guess, of the outdoor industry. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you some photos. I got a couple of photos back somewhere of those big old cameras. Mark 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 didn't see the original one, but he saw like phase two, which was still big and giant and all that. And he's mm-hmm. told his share of that stuff. And I told Mark <clears throat> when he called me, he said, "Y'all doing the OG series?" And I didn't have to ask what OG meant, but uh, I was like, <laughs> "Dude, you should just interview yourself. Get on there with Terry and just do it because you're." He's like as an original gangster as it gets in the turkey <laughs> stuff. But, hey, honored, 
you know, it's always a, a privilege for me at my age to be relevant at anything, but especially, <laughs> especially in the turkey world. That's a, you know, I'll probably hold the record for the like the the longevity being in this world and never winning a turkey calling contest. I kind of wear that as a badge. Pretty cool. I did finish second one. Yeah, I finished second one time. Well, it's a good you thing you made that up. Instagram account, man. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Of them in the woods, though, because I mean, yeah. uh, and I didn't mention this in any of the other podcasts, but if you if you piled up the turkeys that if you collectively Cuz's eyes, Stoltz's eyes. Rob's eyes and Paul's eyes. If you Ooh. had a pile of turkeys, it's many tractor trailer loads that those <laughs> eyes have watched die because they are absolute death on them and have been for decades. I, Mark, I had a dream not long ago. It was a nightmare. But anyway, I dreamed I was at the pearly gates trying to get in, and the two guards at the pearly gates were giant long beard turkeys. <laughs> With cross swords, and they were just going like that. And I woke up in a cold sweat. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not shooting anymore. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, but yeah, we're all old conservationists now. Yeah, big time. Yeah, that's it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, man. Mark, thank you. I appreciate it. This has been a blast. Um, we'll have to do this maybe every spring. We'll see how everything goes. But uh, I just had a good time with it. Um, so thanks, Mark. Thanks, Cuz. And uh, if you guys got anything to add, we'll add it here, but I'm going to close her out if not. No, let her rip, buddy. This is a a great show. Honored to be there. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching to the Turkey OG series, the last installment. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Let us know if we do this again next year. What would you like to see? Topics you want us to bring up? Anything like that? uh, Let us know. But you know what to do? Go shoot a giant long beard. Best of luck to you this spring. We appreciate you guys. places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.